podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trace Roca. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Look, it's Adam and Mike. Hey, guys. Yeah, I don't know what to do. I haven't seen the, the three of us haven't been in the same sphere in a long time. This feels good to have the band back together again, getting that ramp up to football season started. I can't wait. I like that new open, too. How about that, Mike? Well, Jesse, yeah, it was pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, I liked it. And something seems a little different. Is this Trace that we're talking to? Who is this guy down there? I haven't seen it in a while. It says I Trace Trucco on the screen. I mean, he wrote his name on there. It says Trace. What is it? It's been a couple it of Refreshed, renewed from mm. vacation. A little goatee action. How about that? A little unshaven look. What do you think? Or hair. <laughs> ah, a little fun with monster the barber my new best friend this afternoon out at his uh, at his shop so he says think? he does miracles Trace. i gotta tell you <laughs> he says he, he transformed lives i mean transforming lives i don't know he's a tattoo artist as well <laughs> looks good though no tattoos no tattoos. I don't, yeah, don't get Robert started on that. I had to respond after Mike had the whole start, bench, cut, and and then some people were grading. I got graded a third in enthusiasm and energy mm-hmm. or excitement yeah. or entertainment or something like that. So I can't have that. I mean, you're, you're, you're top of the charts right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't know what I'm going to do at this point. <laughs> I mean, I need to respond somehow. I have a bit of a head start, but um, you'll, you'll get there soon. Looks like <laughs> whatever I can do to try and compete uh, with you. I mean, if it's uh, a hair competition, you're you're going to win that on the uh, uh, the start, the the bench, and the cut. I think so. I haven't got a haircut in like four months, so uh, it's well, neither are, we show our, are we just going to show our <laughs> hair for the first ten minutes of the show? I mean, mine's a little bit messy right now with the uh, the hat area there, but um, yeah, that's fine. Good. Uh, so what's going on? We're hoping to uh, join one of our uh, fans out at Ladies Night. They're wrapping up out at the Nicholson Fieldhouse. Uh, we hope to have Missy join us. And a good show to get us back in the groove. What was it like not having – well, Mike joined you while I was away uh, towards the end of one episode. Uh, you had some guests fill in. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. It was obviously a lot of good uh, banter between Austin Camden, a current player, seeing him interact with his former teammate, Kalia Davis, his current teammate, Tyler Paul. I learned a lot about Tyler and Austin, much much of which is I don't know if they actually play football because they have time to play tag and they have time to play ping pong and they're eating a lot of food. I don't know when they actually play football, but I assume it's it's often. But no, it was a different show, but it's good to see kind of the energy of those guys getting together and really just cool to, to talk to Tyler Paul. Trace. I know you were out at, at Britt's birthday party this weekend. Uh, you know, the, the the things that he's helping to put together with his Big Man, Big Heart campaign and, and the Brits Bunch organization that Jan founded. It's such a cool story, you know, for a college kid to have that sort of self-awareness and that, you know, that that kind of ability to give back to the community. So it was cool to see that, cool to, to get a chance to feature that from a, um, you know, from a show perspective. But we missed you guys. I mean, Mike, Mike hopped on at the end and uh, that, that was fun. You missed my top five Austins, which I thought was a was a winning uh, segment, but it was a good time. But I'm glad that the band is back together. And we did our podcast live. Well, not live, but we recorded a video version of it, too. So that kind of got me back in the saddle a little bit. And now uh, Trace got to get back in it. Well, how about we do that by talking about watch lists? You know, Mike, I know it's one of your favorite oh, things. Yes. You know, if if UCF players were not named a watch list, though, wouldn't that be upsetting? Mm. Today, Ryan O'Keefe, Belitnikoff, Award Watch List, Best Wide Receiver, uh, Isaiah Bowser, Johnny Richardson, Dope Walker Award Watch List, I believe, Mike. Just 73 names on the uh, Dope Walker Award watch list. <laughs> Just 73 have made the cut. Right. And those are the only guys you have to watch. Don't, don't worry about watching anybody else. So 
for our receivers, only watch Ryan O'Keefe. You don't have to bother watching anybody else. At least we have two running backs. I didn't go through the 70 because if it was 73. If it was like 20, maybe I could have done it. How many other schools have two guys on running back list, though? That's a pretty good sign, at least. I like Mike goes through the list but doesn't know how to answer his own question. <laughs> but he, he still asks it, though. <laughs> yes. Posing the difficult yeah. question. Then one week from today, AAC Media Day, they're going to be virtual again. If I can swing it, I'm going to hop on, uh, you know, Commissioner Mike Oresco, coaches throughout the day. UCF's players to be there with Gus Malzahn listed as TBA, to be announced. Uh, who do you think it ends up being that's there with uh, Coach Malzahn? Imagine maybe perhaps some of these award watch list guys. Yeah, I think you go safe. I, you get a Bowser in there. You probably get a Sam Jackson. And then give me a defensive guy. Maybe get Montalvo. Was it last year? Was it just uh, Big Cat? I don't remember who went last year. But uh, usually you get you an offensive guy. Dylan. And oh, I think yeah. it was Dylan and Kalia. All right. Cool. Well, that was a bad sign for both of them. So uh, <laughs> let, let, let's send some guys that are probably not going to get a lot of playing time and send a couple, you know, Give them some FaceTime, whatever, answer some questions, but we don't need any big-time guys going there. And maybe there's a curse, so uh, mm. let's take it easy with that. Well, it's virtual, so they're not going anywhere, Mike. They're probably going yeah. to the conference okay. room, <laughs> so we should be safe. No travel involved. They should be good, hopefully. And then, Mike, you're very busy on the social media today. Oh, my goodness. What list. happened here? Oh, my goodness. The deluge, and you caused a stir. Volume shooter over here. My goodness. By, by questioning uh, uniform reveals and all of that, uh, I borrowed for a poll question this week, something our friend Brian Peterson uh, sent out. Uh, what are we most likely to hear or see first? New uniforms overwhelmingly over starting quarterback. I disagree. I think we're going to learn that starting quarterback before we learn anything about uniforms. I don't think we're going to get uniform reveals until game week. Yeah, all we know is Eric DeSalvo uh, made mention that the uniforms won't be too terribly different but the way they reveal them will be different. Something that he believes has not been done before, which leads me to assume there's some logistics involved. There's something they have to sort of plan. I don't think this is walk a guy out on a catwalk, right? So I think you may be onto that one, Trace. I think the starting quarterback may be known. I guess the only caveat here is who will it be known to? Will it be known to us in the, uh, in the, in the world or will it be known just to the team at that point? So that may be the only catch there. But from what DeSalvo is, is mentioning, sounds like some sort of a big, spectacular, different kind of reveal, which obviously I imagine has some tentacles involved in it. Well, I don't think we're going to know which combination we're going to wear for week one until probably Tuesday night, right? Usually they do it a couple of days before. But this sounds like new uniforms. They have some certain reveal for it. You could get that a couple of weeks in advance, I think. And the quarterback thing, I don't know if it's going to be announced. What Gus said, maybe the last scrimmage, which is probably two weeks before kickoff. Uh, I think the uniforms come out first. All right. That's how you vote. Uh, yeah, I saw a lonely bumblebee mentioning the Big 12. Remember when Cincinnati after the announcement of going to the Big 12, ran out onto the field with a Big 12 flag. Uh, UCF starting to show that Big 12 logo across campus on banners and such. Uh, how much prominence do you think the Big 12 logo gets inside the stadium on opening game? It'll be somewhere. I mean, it's already on the wrap. Um, you know, I see the coaches already wearing it on their sleeves of their shirt. Curious if that holds during game day attire, if that's on sideline attire or not. I'm sure it'll make an appearance here and there, um, you know, throughout. I, look, it's got to be tricky, right? Because obviously I think they want to be respectful to the American and and they, they want to, you know, tip their cap and thank them for everything. But I do think you want to start pointing towards the future, which is the Big 12. So imagine sprinkled in some place. Uh, I don't know how prominent that, but if it's on the shirt sleeves, then then we're talking. No, I don't think it's allowed to be on the uniforms or on the field or anything like that. Maybe you'll see it in, in the concourse somewhere, like we're coming to the Big 12. But I don't think anywhere you're going to be able to see it on TV. I don't think the American will allow that to happen. What's your question of Mike Oresco if you had opportunity to ask him something? Of course, he'll make a very lengthy opening statement and filibuster. He'll take about three questions. It'll be some national media. Uh, perhaps Chris Vanini of The Athletic will be joining us shortly. But what's your question to Mike Oresco if you get opportunity? I would, I'd say in hindsight, do you wish you had done more um, around the 2017-2018 UCF team to potentially lock them in or to support them better through that journey? How good of a golfer are you? Because that's probably what you're going to be doing soon. Because this conference is not going to be around for much longer. And if it is, nobody's going to care. Wow. Mike, okay. time of death in the AAC, 8.09 p.m. on Thursday. You're declaring the end of the conference. They just absorbed a lot of schools though. So there, there could perhaps uh, be a new lifeline for the AAC. 
Let's be fair. Which conference will be alive at that point? <laughs> I think that's the challenge is there's only going to be like two, two and a half or three at that point. So to, to be amongst the, the carnage probably is, is going to be more of the, uh, uh, the, the norm than it will be the other side. Mike, what's your question for the cows head coach? I believe they're slighted a last on the program for the day, which seems appropriate. Kidding, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have no questions for the cows. Uh, how, how do you plan on winning two games this year? Uh, how do you plan on not having UCF overtake your stadium by the end of the season and lose, have your fans all lose interest? Um, I don't know. I don't follow the Cowboys. It would be very interesting to have Mike on this day-long Zoom that uh, airs on ESPN Plus as well. Let's talk a little more college football with Chris Vanini, a former guest here on the Suns Live, senior writer at The Athletic. Chris, welcome into Suns Live. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, subscribed to The Athletic, and I found interesting your July 1st column, the headline, Big Ten adding USC-UCLA, further ruining the charm we love about college football, which brings me to this question. Do you find yourself in a little bit of a challenge here? Professionally, this is very exciting. However, personally, maybe disappointing, all of the changes going on. Yeah, no, I don't like it. I didn't like it when it happened a year ago, just in, in several instances. Because it's July, and I want to talk about football. And this is now three years in a row where we're going into media days and preseason, talking about everything but football. Two years ago, we were talking about COVID. Last year, we were talking about COVID and realignment. Now we're talking about realignment again. I want to get back to preseason excitement that the season's here. And we just we don't get that anymore. This is now a year-round sport where we're talking about these – things that are bigger than the sport itself, like realignment. And it's just kind of a drag. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I mean, I got to report on it and got to do stuff about it, but uh, I don't like it. Well, awkward follow-up question, Chris. <laughs> um, so in, in terms of realignment, though, since the USC-UCLA news, what's been the most surprising thing to you about everything that's happened since then? Is there any one or two things that has really surprised you about where we are right now? Not really, because these are things that take time to decide. You know, there's a lot of panic when the news first drops. But after the dust settles, after a few days, you realize these things take a little bit of time. They're decided at the presidential level. In the Power Five, you have grant of rights agreements, so it's a lot harder to get out compared to the Group of Five level. That's why the, the movement is much quicker at the group of five level. Um, not surprised Notre Dame hasn't made a decision. Not surprised the Pac-12 still waiting to see what happens. You know, they decided to uh, start the beginning of their TV negotiations. So they had a 30-day exclusive window with, with the ESPN and I think Fox to get a sense of how valuable they are. And that comes up in early August. So by then they'll have a kind of a financial idea. Um of what they want to do, go to the Big 12, do something else. We don't know. Um, so I, I'm not surprised because at the Power 5 level, it takes time for these things to happen. I'm going to cross out all my uh, questions that I had here because you don't want to discuss realignment anymore. So let's break <laughs> no, down the I, I, I do, I'm, I'm doing radio every single day being asked about it. It's, it's part <laughs> of the job, I know. Let's get into the AAC then. This is our last year in there, last year for Cincinnati, last year for Houston. I think those are the three favorites going in. You got to pick it right now. What's the championship game? I say Cincinnati versus Houston, but I don't feel no. very confident in that at all. Um, I, have, I have Cincinnati as a slight favorite over Houston uh, to finish first. UCF right behind there at number three. Feels like there's a clear three teams at the top of the league once again. Um, but you know, Cincinnati's got to replace a lot, but – They've been recruiting extremely well. Luke Fickle's still there. And I, I, uh, I, at least I trust him at this point until, until I see him lose their conference game. What's your question about UCF that you hold them back, not in the title game? Uh, quarterback. You know, obviously they've got a lot of skilled position, running back, receiver, experienced offensive line and all that. We just got to see what the quarterback play looks like. Is, is Mikey Keene the guy? Is, 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 is uh, Plumlee the guy? Who, who kind of fits in Gus Mel's on the offense theoretically, you just kind of got to see the quarterback play. That, that That's always determined Gus Mel's on teams. You know, when he was at Auburn, they either had the right quarterback or they didn't. That doesn't mean it doesn't have to be Cam Newton every year. You know, they, they made a, a, a 
a really good run with Nick Marshall at quarterback. So it's just finding the right guy. And I just, I got to see first if they have that guy. Chris, what do you make of the job that Gus has done in a short time at UCF? Obviously, Frost, Heupel set a lot of standard, but Gus has come in and really energized the fan base. The future of college football is kind of the slogan he's using. What do you make of the job Gus has done? And are you surprised at all at how well he's kind of clicked here in Orlando? Yeah, he, he has really changed the the dynamic of the program, obviously helped them get into you know the Big 12 pretty quickly there. Um and it, I was unsure because he had planned to step away from football after Auburn, take a year off, maybe do some media. The UCF job comes open. You, you wonder how much is he putting into this? You know, is he going to have the effort or, or is he still, you, you know, taking some time off mentally? And, and no, they've, they've, he's gone in full charge, kind of rebranding the program in several ways, the way they've gone after the transfer portal, like very few teams in the group of five have. Um, the recruiting has been, been very strong. And, they won nine games last year in a season that was pretty ugly at times. I, I, I think people kind of forget nationally that UCF, you know, had a good season overall considering all the injuries. You know, people kind of forgot about them early on, and then the end, end of the year comes, you beat Florida in the bowl game, you're like, that team won nine games. I didn't quite realize that. You know, <laughs> so I, I think he he did a really good job there, and he seems pretty happy there, and I, I think he's definitely got things going back right in the, in the right direction. We may not want to address it, but we have to be rea- and, uh, realistic. The last couple of coaches were here for two years and three years. If Gus has a, a an undefeated season or a, a nice run, a, BC, a New Year's Six game win, and schools come calling, do you think he really wants to just stay here and build something forever? you believe him? Or do you think he'll follow the money? Um, it's hard to say because he's going into the Big 12 now. You know, it's not like you got to say, I got to get out of this conference and, and find something else. He's going into a pretty good conference. You know, who knows what it'll look like, but they're going up to the power five. There's going to be more money. There's facility plans and stuff like that. And at this stage in his career, you know, his, his age, maybe he doesn't want to, or maybe he does. So some guys just, you get that SEC itch and, and you got to, you got to go take it. And it, it, it's really hard to say, you know, Scott Frost, you know, he left for Nebraska if not for Nebraska, he's probably still there, at least there a couple more years. I think Nebraska was ultimately just the pull home was that. Um, so it's it's always hard to say, but I do think it's a lot different than Frost and Heupel because, you know, they're, they're moving up into a Power 5 conference. Back to the uh, media days and the talk of college football, ACC media days. Commissioner Jim Phillips with a provocative quote. When you think about where we are right now, we're probably in the gated community as one of five. (laughs) Uh, Is there still five or is it just two? Well, I I, I think, you know, that kind of gets determined by what the postseason looks like. You used to have BCS versus non-BCS and you had power five, group of five. It kind of depends on what that next playoff field looks like. Um, are there going to be only automatic or are there going to be automatic bids? Are there only going to be at larges? I don't think we're at a spot where the SEC and big 10 are going to break off and do their own thing anytime soon. So it, it, it technically it's not a power two financially with resources. It will be, but you can only do so much with all that money. You know, I, in, in many ways it, it might be more appealing to be in a weaker pack 12 that you can win as opposed to a 20 team big 10 that you can't win. You know, I, I, I think so. I, I don't think the Pac-12 is going away. You know, I've had some commissioners say to me, like, it's, it's really hard to kill a conference. You know, even the Big East survived. It became the American, but it, it still survived. So I think we stay with five, at least for this next round of TV rights to kind of go the next six years or so. Well, yeah, let's talk Pac-12, Big 12. Your, uh, your colleague at The Athletic, Stuart Mandel, sort of floated an idea of these two conferences should merge, right? Let's put them all together. Maybe that's the best thing possible. Then news comes out through Pete Thamel, other sources. Hey, that's not going to happen. Sounds like that's not on the table. So now you've still got these two entities, Big 12, Pac-12, frankly, in a staring contest, right, at this point, Chris. So who's really in a position of power here, in your opinion? Is it the Pac-12 trying to cobble together their 10 teams and move forward with their, with their media deal? Or is, does the Big 12 have the option of maybe grabbing some of those schools and taking the power? In your opinion, who's who's in that power position right now? 
I think the Big 12 is in a better position, but but not by a lot. The idea of a merger, I I never got a sense it was really all that interesting to the Big 12 because I think their thinking is why take all the Pac-10 teams if you can just take six that you want instead and you don't have to take the dead weight, essentially. And that's what the Big 12 is hoping. They're hoping they can convince four to six of those Pac-12 schools to make the jump. On, on the Pac-12 side, you're thinking some of these schools, academics are a big thing. A lot of those Big 12 schools are not quite there culturally, academically. There's a lot of different stuff. A conference with California and Texas is going to have some issues. And I think the, the money is probably not much different either way, no matter which league you go in. So ultimately, do you decide there's safety in numbers in the Big 12? Is it better to go create a 16-team Big 12 and feel safe there? Or is it better to stay with the Pac-10, add some teams or, or, or whatever, and hope you stick together? With the uncertainty of Oregon and Washington, that makes it pretty tough. You know, they're going to go to the Big Ten if they can get that invitation. Anybody would. And the Big 12 is in a spot where it doesn't really have any major brands anymore. It lost its two major brands. The Pac-12 still has some brands out there, and that's what makes it ultimately more vulnerable because you're not quite all together the way the Big 12 is. You mentioned the TV contracts playing a big part in this. When are we going to start seeing a streaming company get involved? Everybody's talking about Fox and ESPN running all of college football. What streaming company is going to be the first one to jump in? Well, we know Apple TV Plus has been interested in the Big Ten. I don't suspect they're going to get the Big Ten, but they're probably going to get NFL Sunday ticket, and they've already got some MLB. So of all those streaming companies, they've really made the biggest push so far of all of them. Peacock's had you know some baseball, a Notre Dame game here or there. But Apple's really been going for it. I'm really surprised. Well, and you've also got Amazon. Amazon has the NFL Thursday night game. So that, that's a possibility as well. I'm surprised we haven't seen Netflix do more, especially considering their recent numbers that have not been great with subscribers. Sports are a way to get subscribers. And they've not really you know, reportedly made a push on a couple things, but they don't seem to be going, going it the way Apple is. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think any of the big conferences want to do it at this point because linear TV is still the number one pay play number one way people watch games. Um, but something to watch, you know, probably in the next five years. I want to get your reaction to the NCAA council endorsing the concept that would eliminate the blanket rule prohibiting transferring more than once. Yeah, this kind of uh, didn't get as much attention last night when it came out. Everybody kind of focused on the transfer windows and I read it, and I was like, does this mean anybody can transfer any time now? I'm pretty sure this what, that's what this means. It was like one line in the press release with very little talk about it whatsoever. But it turns out it's actually a really big deal. Um, now, guys, will you know, this will probably get approved in August. Now players will be able to transfer anywhere they want any year. Now there's going to be a limit on that. The windows are going to shorten the period of time you can do that. Um, so, so that's a pretty big change. Now there, there are some people who say it's not, you've had people transfer twice, transfer three times already. They, they put in waiver requests to the NCAA. They frequently get them. So maybe it's not that big of a deal, but I do think it opens the door now and gets the idea on players' minds more that they can transfer whenever they want. There is not universal support for this. We've already seen some coaches pretty upset about it. The numbers say that the more often you transfer, the less likely you are to graduate. Um, but I think ultimately they felt if we're going to restrict these windows of transferring, we're going to let players move as much as they want, you know, something like coaches get to do. Of course, we're about 360, I don't know, seven or eight days removed from the beginning of NIL. So in this past year, how would you sort of assess the impact NILs really had on college sports, specifically college football? I think initially the sky was falling. What's going to happen? We've seen a lot of numbers floating around, a lot of things happening. In your assessment, though, one year in, how, how much impact has NIL really had? Uh, it's had a little bit of effect in recruiting. I think you're seeing, you know, based on some of the numbers that are being thrown out there for certain players or whatnot, but 
in the end, it's not making that much of a difference. The best players are going to get the the best schools. The biggest schools are going to get the best players. It's kind of always the way it was. Now there there are some schools that have the money that end up getting either a transfer or a recruit. Nebraska did a couple of those. You know, Nebraska had a guy. A lot of people thought was going to Texas, but ultimately, I don't think in the end it's really changing the dynamic. The same teams are going to be at the top of the recruiting rankings. You know, it's it's. It was a long time coming. I think we all know that, that the players needed to be able to make uh, some kind of money off of that. So it's good. You know, there are players who have made money. For some people, it's life-changing. For some people, it's, hey, maybe I don't need to go pro early and be an undrafted free agent. I can stay here for another year, make a little bit of money, and then try it next year when I'm in a better position, get my degree, stuff like that. So you're going to see coaches, administrators complain about it like they always do. It's not that big of a deal. Kirby Smart was talking about it the other day. I, I think he was upset that maybe the recruits are getting more than the current players or whatever. The man just signed a 10-year deal contract today where he's going to get $10 million a year. So, like, nobody cares. No, nobody cares what the coaches have to say about this stuff. You got five coaches making $9.5 million now. Like, come on. What are your early impressions of your mark as a new commissioner of the Big 12? How do you think he's going to handle this whole situation? Um... He's been up front and honest about things. You know, he said at the at media days that they're open for business. They're looking for different things. You know, he didn't hide behind generic statements. He didn't sound like Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner the other day, who kind of sounded like he was talking from five years ago. You know, Yormark seems like a guy who understands it's a changing landscape. But it's also an interesting dynamic now. You've got three Power Five commissioners who come from outside college sports. Kevin Warren came from the NFL. Uh, George Klievkoff came from events in Vegas and in your marks coming from the NBA and rock nation. So it creates a different spot where Greg Sankey is a lifetime NCAA guy. Jim Phillips was a, a longtime athletic director. You've got people with different backgrounds and it makes things like playoff talk uh, even more um, difficult, I think. So, but he seemed like a guy who understands the challenge and knows this is a serious thing, and he's jumping in, understanding that. Like he doesn't technically start till August first, I think. But yeah. talking to him and his people at, at Media Days last week, he is he is all in on on doing the Big Twelve stuff right now. So he seems to understand the urgency of the moment. Let's end with this. Back to the AAC. Besides Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, what's a team or two that might surprise, cause some problems for those top three contenders? So I don't think they're going to win the league or anything, but I'm really going to keep my eye on East Carolina, who went seven to five last year, five and three in the league. You know, talking to people on that staff a couple of years ago, they had always pointed to 2021 as the year they would make the jump. They were a really young team for a number of years, especially on defense. And the idea was, hey, by 2021, those guys are going to be juniors and seniors. That's when you're going to see the improvement. And they did. You know, they were they were a solid team last year. Everybody got that COVID year. So Holt Naylor's the quarterback is back yet again. And I think that's a team that, again, not going to win the league, but they could spoil some some upsets here, especially because I think the I don't think the league is as good at the top as it was last year. I don't think any of these teams are going to make the playoff like Cincinnati did. And so East Carolina could be a team that here or there knocks off one or two of these teams that really kind of determines uh, the conference title race. And are you looking forward to the USC Rutgers game uh, in football in the future when uh, game days there in New Jersey? Yeah, that, that or your <laughs> UCLA, it's even, even less interesting. I just, when, when that happened, like, and the reason I wrote the, the column I did is like that threw out any sense of realism out the window. Like SEC could say Texas, Oklahoma, they're contiguous states. We already have AM, you know, it fits. You got a giant gap here between Nebraska and California that you have these schools. The idea that this is anything but 100% of business is out the window now. And I think that's why a lot of people were upset. And that's why a lot of people weren't even, like, excited. Like, I went to Michigan State. Big Ten fans were, like, not all that thrilled about that news. Because I think everybody understands, all right, I guess we're going to this new world now. I guess the Rose Bowl isn't going to mean what it did anymore. I guess we're going to have conference games in California. Okay. And I big the Big Ten is a, a conference steeped in history. And I think a lot of people were just kind of 
kind of had apathy toward it. And I think there was a lot of uh, frustration, but apparently that's where college sports is going now. That Rose Bowl picture, though, will still be picturesque. Chris Vanini, senior writer at The Athletic, thanks so much for spending some time with us on Suns Live. Yep, no problem, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. As he said, he does interviews all the day, all day long. Asked about this a lot, and here we are, uh, getting closer to the start of the college football season, and this hubbub is still the talk. It sucks because, you know, when he said that, I was looking at my questions just like Mike. I was like, okay, I got to not ask that. <laughs> Mike but it's like all his questions. <laughs> but it's like, unfortunately, this is the topic du jour, right? This is what everyone wants to know about and talk about is what's happening in and around college sports. I'd love to have it on the field. I think we're still a couple of weeks away from really being able to get into that. But that's the sad reality is, unfortunately, this is kind of where we are. And it's it sucks. I mean, you can almost... I, I can feel the depression on Chris's face as he's answering these questions because I think we all feel the same way, which is the sport that we thought we knew doesn't exist the way it did anymore, and, and you have to come to grips with that at some point. Mike, was he a little more enthusiastic about Cincinnati than I feel like we are? Um, it sounded like it. it. Sounded like he's been hypnotized for the last couple of years. Uh, they've been good. <laughs> I mean, they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors, right? I think we've all said that for years. I don't think they were as good as we thought they were. But they've had a, a solid defense that kept them in every game. Ritter did just enough to win a lot of those games. They're not a bad team. I'm not saying they're bad, but they weren't great. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to – just like a lot of people expected us in 2019 to come in and go undefeated too, and we lost, what, three, four games. So I think the same could happen to them. Well, well the, the whole difference there, Mike, is in 2019, and I get the, the coaching thing is different, right? They're not losing a coach like we did. But we, in 2019, it was like, oh, you lost these guys. You lost this. You're, you're knocked down a peg. We're all just like, hey, Cincinnati, yeah, they're going to be back up there. And even Chris says in his answer, well, they lost a lot of guys. Well, that, who's playing in those guys' places, right? And we seem to just gloss, and not we, not us three, but people seem to gloss over that and just assume they're going to be good because they're Cincinnati. We didn't get that benefit of the doubt back in, in 18 and 19 when we came back, but somehow Cincy is getting that benefit of the doubt. And I don't know if it's just because we were louder than Cincinnati is about it, but it seems like everybody's just like, ah, they'll be back. S somebody name me the starting quarterback in Cincinnati right now. Is he any good? Does anybody know? But that, that's not what we talk about. We just talk about ah, Luke Fickle's there. They're, they're recruit. They're going to be fine. And we don't we don't look at the the details. But we got picked apart heavily when we were in that same cycle. Which I think Mike's got a, a solid point on the brainwashing um, from that standpoint. Hypnosis, as I believe he said. Uh, let's uh, change gears uh, and continue now in our Meet the Big Twelve series. We've been bringing in guests from our future Big Twelve opponents, and we welcome now. Jamie Steyer Johnson, radio analyst, Cyclones women's basketball, covers Iowa State, part of the Cyclone family podcast. Thanks for being with us on Suns Live. Yeah, hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. We had Chris Benini on right now from The Athletic talking about all of the changes in the college sports landscape. How's it playing in Iowa, these changes and, and what's going on with the Big 12 and, and the inclusion of UCF and some others in the future Big 12? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting because there's certainly been times where Iowa State has kind of felt like they're on the outside looking in. And so to have some new teams coming in and feel good about that is, I maybe I should say was, a good place to be at. And so now you still have kind of more craziness going on uh, with people moving into the Big Ten, stuff like that. But I certainly know a lot of people are really excited about these new additions to the Big 12. I mean, especially UCF. It's just kind of fun to expand your range, the places that you're going to play, um, kind of enter into a new market a little bit. And so um, I personally am super excited about it. Um, I'm always happy for more more teams, more people to watch. Uh, and I know that Cyclone fans are super excited. They're really quite a welcoming bunch. And so just the potential to have new blood and to have more people that you're like, hey, a whole big group of people that it could be their first time in Ames. Like truly, that's the way that Iowa State fans thrive. So it's it's really exciting. Jimmy, what is the perception of UCF out there in Iowa? Obviously, we, we haven't played each other a ton in a lot of sports throughout our history, so there's not a lot of commonality there. What's the, what's the I guess, the feeling about UCF? What, what do folks think about UCF? What do they know about UCF? Not a lot. Like you said, like not a lot of um, playing, not a lot of history between the two, especially in major sports. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where you're learning, okay, what are we going to have to figure out here? Like, what do we have to watch out for? You know, what sports are we really going to be looking at some really competitive rivalries? Maybe um, I will say that 
it is certainly an interesting spot to be in just to say, okay, you know, we've got these four teams coming in, but there's this one that's kind of out there. Like it's definitely more of a distance. And so probably the least familiar of any of the new four. But I know for me, like obviously with what I do, uh, I certainly follow women's basketball really closely. So ecstatic about the addition of a program like UCF, um, have really loved watching them. And then, you know, you know that it's someone who you're going to be competitive in a lot of sports. So not a lot of like specifics, but definitely you start Googling. You're like, oh my gosh, okay, how how concerned do we have to be? You know, it's, it's certainly not anyone that you're going to lo- look at the schedule and say, these are a lot of... Uh, a lot of easy wins, which, I mean, you don't really want those anyway, right? Good competition's <laughs> better. Yeah. So I started Googling myself. I started looking up what there was in Ames, Iowa. Can you tell us, and you just said how welcoming you guys are. If we took a trip up there for a game, what is on the itinerary? Do we have enough to fill up two, three days? Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing the comments coming in. Hey, I'm happy that you're excited to get to Ames. Um, it's it's really <laughs> interesting. Um, It's like I said, yeah, super welcoming, but there's, there's some food, you know, it's, it's more of an experience. I don't know how many days you're going to fill. Like your tailgating experience (laughs) on game day is going to be amazing. Iowa state has great tailgating. We have a lot of very large lots right around the stadium. And so, you know, you're walking around and people are, offering you a beer like if you're there for the first time that UCF comes to town and you're wearing UCF gear it's going to be much more on the friendly side as opposed to the contentious side so that's super fun and then yeah food in Iowa you're sold absolutely you know you can get some some real good corn depending on the time of year um you can definitely get surprisingly once in a while you can find like a good barbecue spot there's one pretty close to Ames called Zwitcha Smokin and they have great barbecue but the key is that it's really good local meat so that's certainly a positive a lot of people talk about Hickory Park that's a really popular barbecue place in Ames frankly it doesn't hold a candle to what you smoke in um it's yeah it's it's better for the Sundays if I'm being honest uh as opposed to the barbecue uh it's where I went growing up for like birthday dinners and stuff but I haven't been in probably 10 years it's been a long time but yeah it's fun I mean there's some things to do around campus the campus is really pretty it's nice to be able to kind of get a look around there there's some really nice botanical gardens actually right by the football stadium so it's enough to maybe fill like your extra day if you come out for a game but i wouldn't plan on making like a really long weekend out of it if like you know i love ames but not like a major vacation destination (laughs) it is not like orlando where the world comes to play apparently. Uh, what's no. the craft what's the craft beer scene like? Do you know oh, anything about that? Good. Yeah, so I actually live outside Des Moines, so I'm about an hour away. Des Moines is about 45 minutes away from Ames and there's a bunch of really really great breweries in Des Moines, but even in Ames there's a couple. Um this place called Torrent is really really great. There's um, a winery outside of town. There's no brewery outside of town. So yeah, there's actually several. Um, Iowa has, I think, really gotten into it. Where hasn't gotten into kind of the craft beer scene, I think. But in Iowa, what else is there really to do but (laughs) sit around and maybe get a good drink or two? So it's really, really flourished. There's a lot of really good ones. and There's a wide range. They've always got something kind of different brewing at these places. So I'm a big fan. What are you expecting from this football program this coming season? It's really hard to say, honestly, because the expectations are kind of right in the middle. You know, it's there's been some really, really high expectations in past years. There's been some very low expectations for a very long time. And so to be back kind of at a midpoint is it's kind of a weird spot to be in. And. I don't know. For me personally, I think that there's a lot of unknowns as far as this team goes. There's some really great knowns. You know, you've got some people coming back that have played really great 
football that have played really big parts of the team, but obviously some of your biggest producers in Brock Purdy, in Brees Hall, in, you know, Charlie Kohler, Micro, like all of them are gone. And so you have just this kind of in between. And, you know, a lot of people project Iowa State to go about six and six. That feels about right. And so you have the opportunity to really overachieve, of course, but you also have the ability to really underachieve. And so I think sticking at about the average at about the expected would would be good because last year, certainly a lot of people felt like you, you underperformed. And so um, to kind of get back to a midpoint to feel like, okay, you know, we, ha- we lost some of the best players that we've ever had in Iowa State history and to come back and say, yeah, we're staying at about 50%. We can make a bowl game. I feel like that would be great because you're building on it with more incredible recruiting classes and getting a little bit more maturity behind some of those key roles. Jimmy, I also hit the Google button and uh, looked up traditions at Iowa State. So here's here's uh, some that I found. You can tell me if I'm missing any of these are good ones. Uh, the running of the steps, I guess, for the students when uh, when mm-hmm. the student section opens up, and there's some sort of a tornado siren. Can you can you clue us in on those traditions? Anything else that we missed or we need to know about? Yeah, they're super fun. So when they let the students in, obviously it's kind of a mad dash. It's not ticketed seating, so. Um, certainly a little bit of a rush there, which, you know, students are all for kind of having a little bit of competition there, of course, but the tornado siren is really cool. It's something they've been doing for quite a while now. Uh, they do it to start out the football games and they, they have like, they did a whole graphic for it. They have it start going off. It's actually a little bit disconcerting when it's stormy out, which has happened several times. Uh, but you get a whole message of this is a cyclone weather alert, uh fans of whatever opponent are encouraged to take cover you know blah 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 so they've really leaned into like the nickname and really making something of it so it's really a cool one uh and then as far as other traditions go i mean for basketball they have kind of like a hand crank siren that they do because i guess they decided that blowing people's eardrums out with like a full tornado siren indoors was not the best choice that they would have ever made but it's cool and then i mean you've got stuff like the band is a, is really really talented they have a bunch of kind of coordinated stuff that they do which i mean what band doesn't but it's certainly a place where the students like to get involved the community likes to get involved well just judging by you i can tell all iowa state fans are very pleasant and nice and we're gonna get along with you guys fine but what's the team in this conference that we're not going to get along with? Who are the big troublemakers that we have to watch out for? Oh, that's tough. That's really tough. Um, obviously, we like to try to get along with everyone. But apparently, I like miss out on stuff because all I've seen on Twitter for the past couple of weeks has been apparently all this contention between Iowa State and K-State fans, which like, obviously I know there's some rivalry there, you know, Farmageddon, all that. There's been a lot of discussion that there should be an actual tractor as the kind of trophy for the Iowa State K-State game. So maybe you guys can kind of get on and help us push that. But uh, they've been kind of harsh and Iowa State fans have been kind of harsh back so K-State's been kind of with us but Todd that's not a bad point Kansas is an interesting school to be sure because you have on one hand incredible historic basketball success and on the other hand you have football and it there there's some people that I think don't know how to deal with like going from one to the other. Like our dear friend on the 1012, one of my co-hosts, Andy Mitz, is a great Kansas fan. I adore him. But there's a lot that like seem to have really high hopes all the time for everything and take it personally if maybe you point out that it might not be the most realistic to say that you're going to like, I don't know, go undefeated in football every year or something like that. So there's certainly one that I could see like button heads a little bit. Let's end with this. What are the other sports that UCF fans should be paying attention to that Iowa State excels in, competitive in, might win championships in? Yeah, I mean, it. Iowa State 
track and field and cross country are amazing. Um, they're probably the sports that Iowa State is the most nationally competitive in. We've had some really incredible runners. Uh, certainly, certainly an interesting sport to watch and follow. Uh, I'm maybe not like clued in enough to really get the nuance of it beyond the fact that I know that they're really, really good. So they're fun. Um, and then as far as competitive this year, Iowa State men's basketball is bringing in one of the best classes in school history after a historic turnaround last year, going from winning two teams to going on a deep two games the year before to going on a deep run into the NCAA tournament. Uh, and then obviously my personal interest is with women's basketball and they're looking to potentially have one of the best teams in school history. Uh, almost everyone is back from last Last year's Sweet 16 run and a couple of really, really major additions. Uh, Iowa State women's basketball has always had a little bit of a rough point recently in the post, and we've got a uh, good 6-6 addition. So um, all those, you know, super, super fun. And then the ones that are, yeah, most nationally competitive would be track cross country. Jamie Steyer Johnson helping us learn a little bit more about Iowa State in our Meet the Big 12 series. Thanks so much for joining us on Suns Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So great to meet you, and I'm sure we'll uh, see each other soon. Thank you much. Thank you, Jamie. All right, Mike, how does Ames now rank? Uh, we've talked uh, about Lubbock uh, uh, and, and uh, Manhattan, Kansas. And, but I want to give you a quote here. We have really good local meat. <laughs> Yeah, I was happy that they have food there. I was a little scared that if I went there, there'd be no food. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she sold me on that one. But the tractor game sounds fun, right? Farmageddon, Mike. Sexy. Farmageddon. <laughs> she thinks my tractor. I, I think um, it's not like a laid-back atmosphere, right? Like you go hang around, have a couple of beers, you know, a nice place. They are not place. ready for Orlando, are they? They're yeah. not ready for <laughs> memory mall. I don't think a lot of people are ready for what they're going to see when they get the heat alone, not to mention everything else going on tailgate-wise. But super friendly. I mean, obviously, uh, it sounds like they're welcoming. You know, one of the first schools we've heard that said, hey, we're going to say hello to you when you walk on campus. I think Baylor threatened to take our wallets uh, and, uh, and you know, the, the Kansas State guy told us to, to go to some place and get some old Milwaukee. So the most friendly, I think I've heard so far. Um, Adam, how's Missy? Yes. Is, she, is she there? Do you see her? I don't She's, see any. Uh, there's no sign of Missy here. I got no sign of Missy. There. No, no, no sign of Missy. It's hard sure. to, to troubleshoot live guests uh, like this. Uh, yeah, I've got, I'll, I got I'll, no, I'll no sign of Missy. I'll uh, I'll work on that and see if I can get her to log on. This I like this message from her. Hurry up, hurry yeah. up, she says. <laughs> Wait, we will, we will, we will hurry up. Uh, go around the kingdom before we open the mailbag, and I talk to Missy a little more. Uh, men's basketball adds grad transfer C.J. Kelly, a guard from UMass. Uh, congratulations to softball's Jada Cody, added to the U.S. Women's National Team, a program first. Also, congratulations to Stephanie Best, inducted into the A Sun Hall of Fame. Of course, all those years with UCF and the A Sun, a Knights Hall of Famer as well. And volleyball, they're pretty good. United States Marine Corps American Volleyball Coaches Association Team Academic Award, ninth year in a row, twelfth time in thirteen years. I don't know what that one year was like. I don't know where there was slack in there that one year, but uh, congratulations to them. I'm going to talk to Missy now, try and figure out why she's not on there, and I'm going to oh. turn the mailbag over to you. Oh, oh, geez. Well, I've got a I, well, Trace. You can listen. I've, I've got a fun upgrade. So you saw the upgrade off the top. We have a new open. It was nicely done. Uh, Mike, you were here last week. I, I have now uh, found a way. I can add sound bites into the live show here. So you know, some radio shows you do something. You know, something happens. They throw a sound bite in, Mike. So I, I can throw sound bites, and I have one prepared here just as a kind of a teaser if you want to hear it. Definitely. So imagine, imagine Mike says something, and you know, we think it's funny. We just hit this. You know, last year I think I said. About 30 people in the UCF, UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Sound bites now. So we can, anytime All something, right. we can throw sounders in. So, you know, be warned, everybody. I think that could only add value to this show. Everybody wants to hear me say the same things over and over again. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, we can also have our own music now, Trace. I can upload our own music. So last week we did, a, or two weeks ago rather, we did a bit of a uh, an up-tempo sort of hip-hop thing. But I have your favorite music, Trace. Every time we play this music on the yes. show, I, I know it's something that you uh, you very much enjoy, uh, you very much like. But we're not going to get to that because I see Missy now. Oh, there we go. I see her. Well, I actually see the back. Oh, there she is. All right, let's, let's, let's do this live. There she is. There's Missy. Hello, Missy Chandler at UCF Feisty on Twitter. Ladies' night, able to join us. 
What is this shaking her head no? Because Christy Malzahn got frustrated that you couldn't log in. Tell us about Ladies Night. Um, it was another wonderful night. It was uh, Christy Malzahn's second annual uh, Ladies Night for uh, the attendance tonight was 448 ladies that made it out. Uh, That's got to be a record, right? With... Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we had wine. We got to go through um, a whole bunch of drills. We got to have a nice Q&A with Chrissy and Gus. Um, so if you didn't get to come tonight, make sure that you look for the email somewhere around maybe March or April um for next year so they're gonna make it bigger and better just like they did for us this year so make it out next year missy did gus happen to reveal the starting quarterback to you all while he was there he did not ah. he did yes. not mm. he did yes. not last year was really uh interesting because they did um uh high school footage of some quarterbacks and then we as a group got to vote as to which quarterback we would draft um hmm. and once they revealed who the footage was it was blake bortles it was cam newton it was already uh quarterbacks that were already in the nfl so this year was a little bit different what was your favorite station of the night i know you got to go on an offensive room a defensive room you got to go to the take photos right you did a whole photo shoot what was the best part we did we did get to take a bunch of photos um the most uh, animated was with uh, offensive with Coach Hurd. Um, so he was uh, giving us a couple drills and having everybody catch the ball and run um, and then do a little celebration dance. So that was that was interesting. You'll have to ask him um, uh, about how the banter went. Um, you know, he was a little frustrated and blushing because he didn't come back to uh, my commentary. So it was a little unusual for him. What was your favorite drill? My favorite drill? It would have to be when uh, the defense put on a uh, team building drill and it was um, three ladies and you had to sit in a chair and put an Oreo cookie on your forehead and lean back. And then you had to move your face and make all these facial movements to move the Oreo from your forehead into your mouth. If it fell on the ground, you had to start over. And uh, one of the first persons to actually make that happen was was our, our girl Britt. So, oh really? So look for some video on her and blush uh, and uh, the excitement that ensued afterwards. It was fantastic. Missy, Christy Malzahn seems like the nicest human on earth. How, how nice, how, how cool is it to get a, a chance to hang around with Christy Malzahn and see how much she enjoys being a part of UCF? She loves being a football coach, um, a football coach's wife, excuse me. Um, and uh, she just, she loves being here and she embraces those players. Um, uh, they talk about, um, you know, being you know UCF family it's not just a tagline it is it is true around here um, a lot of the players that were here tonight said you know what made them choose UCF and it was the fact that they felt that family feel the moment they came before they even had made that commitment um, so it was really nice to, to hear that but she's an amazing woman and she's got a lot to give to UCF and I'm, I'm excited to see what she brings I see Robert's comment there on the bottom, and I kind of have to agree. Can you reenact the uh, celebration dance that you had there earlier today? <laughs> no, I cannot do that. I, I appreciate Robert. You can, you just don't want to. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly right. Um, so you but, join. Uh, Chrissy Malzahn is launching her own uh, podcast. For Who isn't? Who isn't? You'll launch <laughs> oh, one right after this go. show. There You'll do go. one. <laughs> Oh, no, she is launching her own podcast for Coaches Wives. And uh, she gave us a little tidbit of, you know, the things that you hear on the news, the things that you hear on ESPN that go around on coaches. And she wants to go back and get the uh, the wives version of that story. So um, uh, I, I think everybody would be interested to hear what goes on behind the scenes. Missy Chandler at UCF Feisty on Twitter, breaking a little news that Christy Malzahn 
entering the oh-so-crowded podcast game. <laughs> uh, Missy, we thank you for joining us from Ladies' Night out at UCF, and glad you and all 448 ladies had a good time out there tonight. Thank you, yes. Missy. All right, see you. Go Knights. Thank you for having us. Start thank on. you. Thanks, girls. All right. She's, uh, she's doing a podcast. By the way, uh, when, when they had trouble logging, I don't know if you can see this. Can you see that? Uh, that's a picture sent of, of yeah. Christy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and then when they had trouble logging in, uh, she bailed. This was, this was her reaction to why are we having trouble logging in? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> We're much better on the show. Yeah. 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 So she's, um, she's doing a podcast, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> who is it, Trace? Who, who is it at this point? All go. right. What music do you got for that? Well, show? I know you love you love the commercial music from the Suns uh, pod. So we've got we've got. Oh, sorry, sorry, this one. You love that. You love that music. I know it's your favorite. <laughs> it sounds like the music that you use when you introduce Manscaped. But anyway, at Dolly <laughs> very much is at Dolly <laughs> underscore Drama says love you guys. We love you back. Uh, thoughts on this being the last year that UCF could host uh, the conference championship game. Of course, it goes neutral site in the Big 12. I mean, Chris Benini's got Houston, Cincinnati. I think UCF is in a better position than Cincinnati uh, to play Houston. Of course, Houston ducks both Cincinnati and UCF. What do you think about that? One more time, bounce house hosting a championship game. Yeah, I was bummed when I read that because I, I guess I hadn't realized that or had that hadn't hit me that this, this would be the last time. Some of those experiences having the games on campus, you know, you think about those back-to-back years with Memphis. I know we, we were a part of a few when, when Tulsa came to town in the CUSA. So it's kind of a bummer that, 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 uh, that that'll take place. Obviously, these bigger stadiums are great and everything, but I, I will miss the ability to, to have that home game and have that advantage, um, you know, working your tail off all season long to have it at your stadium. That's, that, that's a bit of a bummer. I, I got bummed by that one. Yeah, and we've been uh, pretty lucky. Pretty much every conference game, championship game we've been in has been at home. We had the one in Tulsa in 2012, but and we've had a pretty good record in those games. We lost one at home in 2005, also to Tulsa. But everything else, you know, having that game at home is a big advantage. Um, it's a much easier trip for me to drive up to Orlando than to fly. All about you, there it is. There it is. A lot cheaper. There it so, is. <laughs> yeah, it's going to suck. But I'll be excited to go to it. I think you can fly southwest to Des Moines, though. Yeah. You can. Yeah. uh, Mike, they have really good local meat. That's a direct quote from our previous uh, (laughs) guest. Question number two. Uh, Do you think we start the season playing both John Rice Plumley and Mikey Keene? I think game one, we see both of them, right? At the same time? That's revolutionary. Uh, no, I think at some point um... we're gonna see, we're gonna have that play. Uh, what's the what's the wide receiver now? Uh, our former quarterback there, the uh... Joey Gatewood. Yeah, we'll see Joey Gatewood in there as well. Do we have that? Would be a real decoy <laughs> decoy if they bring him in. At a decoy, yeah. I mean, look, I don't. I, I assume Gus is going to pick his his quarterback and go with that. I think my hope is he doesn't do that thing last year with the, the in and out and then moving moving guys and this and that. I think Spurrier always said if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. So mm-hmm. you know, yes, there'll probably be some some mop up duty for whomever isn't in the sort of that lead position. But my hope is we we find a, a guy, stick to him, and and, and ride it out from that standpoint. Uh, Mike at Nightfan94. If JRP starts the season as QB1, what's the tolerance threshold for the completion percentage? Winbush lasted a half at 52%. Protect the ball and win. And I don't think it really matters much what his completion percentage is. Right. Yeah. Don't turn the ball over. And if that first game is close, then that, that's a big uh, red flag. So that, the, the Louisville game is week number two. Whoever's starting should play that whole game, right? And I don't think you're, you're going to see any flip-flop in there. And if you win that one, then you just keep rolling from there. Fun fact, in the one season he played quarterback at Ole Miss, JRP's completion percentage was 52.7. That's last your over-under. That needs to last, be one of your preseason uh, questions. We're working on the Sundays. Last year, Mikey Keene, 63%. Our friends now at the 10-12 network. How big of a jump has UCF seen in recruiting since the announcement they'll be joining the Big 12? 
I mean, it seems significant, right? We're in the mix for a lot of local talent in, the, in that four-star range. Uh, we'd always talked about building a fence around Orlando, and we recognize you're not going to win every battle with a Miami of Florida, but we, we've said from the beginning, you've got to win those against Pitts and Illinois and Wake Forest, and it seems like we are starting to make some inroads there. We've, we're on the, the bottom, the top three of a lot of guys, so I, I think that no longer can you hold over our head. They're not in a big conference, so I, I think there is certainly a, a bit of a juice in the recruiting tail. Uh, Mike at V Durago. Can we get some content around basketball expectations? No better person to ask about basketball expectations. I got stats. I got stats. I'm ready. Uh, information yeah. on the new uh, transfers. We got CJ Kelly. Let's go. Let's go to Mike UMass. first. CJ Kelly, that says championship to me. That was the final piece right there. My expectations are very low right now. I'll tell you that <laughs> coming off this last season. We don't know who's on the team. I don't have these guys play. Adam says he has stats. I'd like to hear him, I guess. I got stats. Here we go. So, obviously, Darren Green, Brandon Mahan, uh, Darius Perry, three big scorers last year, right? So, we're bringing in a couple guys. Phil Horton, he didn't play a ton last year at Pitt, but in the in his career, 11-point score. He's a 39% three-point shooter. Darren Green, 38% three-point shooter. So, we, maybe we've got a shooter on our hands there. Brandon Suggs coming from ECU. Doesn't seem like much of a shooter. 10 points a game average, or more of a slasher. Maybe he takes a little bit of that Mahan role. And then we got Michael Durr. Did not play a ton at uh, Indiana, only average seven minutes a game but his last year at the cows eight points eight boards 79 percent free throw shooter seems like a bit of an upgrade maybe over Mbake. the key for me is going to be two things does darius johnson develop his three-point shot last year was a paltry 29 percent he's gonna have to get better shooting from three and do we see ty freeman make that next step again another slasher another tweener but all this is for nothing if we don't play defense last year, I think we had guys at times who were disinterested in playing on the defensive side of the ball. If we can play defense, we can get some scoring. We have a lot of scoring to make up for, but I think we give up a lot of points last year. So can this team gel together? How do you play on defense? We've got some shooters. I don't know. We'll see. And this Hendricks kid, you're a four-star freshman. You never know what you're going to get. Championship. Uh, at yeah. Scott Wildcat, <laughs> uh, what fan base, Mike, are you looking forward to fighting with on Twitter the most? Our Iowa State, family. Iowa State, they're, they're an angry bunch, those Cyclones, as you could hear from our guest earlier. I really don't fight with anybody on Twitter. I mean, sometimes I'll throw a couple of remarks to the cows, maybe a Gator remark here and there, but I, I've never gotten into it with the Cincinnati people. I've never gotten into it with Memphis or any other school really in our conference. So um, that's not really my thing to do. They, they seem like all really nice people so far. The Iowa State seems very nice. You probably got to give me somebody that's going to talk trash to me first, somebody like an Oklahoma State maybe that – other than that, I don't really know. <laughs> Cinemax after dark. Patrick was witty comment. Uh, what's, what's on at that point? Our friend <laughs> at Brian W. Peterson. All right. First year, Big 12, 2023. Overall combined athletic sports teams, do they go 500 or better? They win more games than they lose overall. And UCF's had a good run of this. Uh, most sports have been 500 or better. Just a blip here or there the last couple of years. Take the over, but barely. Barely. We're talking, I mean, I think the basketball is going to take the lumps and drag yeah. down the other ones. Take the over, but barely. I mean, are we counting out of conference games here because we could still pad our stats there. We could have a, a winning record in basketball, but losing record in conference. Does that still count? Sure. All right. Sure. Then, then we'll be over 500. <laughs> <laughs> I will end with this one from at clones J E R. Why is Gatorland actually the best Florida theme park? No information. Never been to Gatorland. I had to Google Where's it. Gatorland? Um, is that up by you, Adam? Gatorland? Is I, don't, it by you? I, I have no idea. I think it's in Orlando. It I Googled it. What's Sounds by you? Marineland. Marineland is by you. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know either. Um, I, I Googled it like 36 bucks to get in. It looks like you see some gators. I don't, it doesn't appear to be any rides. I saw there was Real a rides? trolley or a tram you could take. Um, what, what, what's their meat situation like? <laughs> There. You might be it. That's the problem at Gatorland. Like <laughs> <laughs> if you've been to Gatorland, running away, running away from the alligator. No, I've never been to Gatorland. The only time I, my only experience oh, was one time somebody mentioned it to me. Hey, have you been to Gatorland? And the next day, my phone was popping up with all advertisements for Gatorland. That's how I know my phone's listening to me because I never Googled it myself. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> We uh, welcome everyone back to Adam, Mike, and I being here at the same time. This episode 77 of Suns Live. Chris Vanini of The Athletic breaking down college football landscape. Our Meet the Big 12 series continuing with the Iowa State guest. We're going to continue that in the weeks ahead as we get closer to the start of the season. We'll know some more about those Big 12 teams. Uh, Mike, so far, 
which is your road game destination? Have you determined that based on our uh, our guests so far? Whoa, hold on. Actually, I need an up, Mike. I don't know if you prepared for this. I'm sorry. If you listen to the Suns podcast at the very end, Mike revealed he was missing a Zoom call that held his fate in terms of some of his uh, oh yeah, his away right. game scheduling. Uh, we did not get it. I don't know if you're prepared, Mike. If you can give us any update on the Zoom call and where that leaves you currently. Uh, things are not looking great right now. I, one person already bought their flight tickets yesterday, uh, and my okay. wife is kind of looking at me like, when are we going to buy ours? I guess where I'm going. I, last okay. I heard. What's the price I, point I now on those flights? You see, well, it went low. You didn't jump on, <laughs> and then they jumped high. I, mean, <laughs> I know. Well, we switched cities now. So the city we're heading to now is actually at the price that the other one was originally was, um, 230 a flight, round trip. Oh, you got to jump uh, on 230 a flight. You can't get to Des Moines for 230 and I'm never going to them. <laughs> You're right. I'm never, you can't, going to <laughs> I'm, never go- I'm never going to any of the cities that we've talked to so far. Um, I don't know. Maybe hopefully we're adding Arizona to the, and Colorado to the conference because I'll go to those. So the ones that go further west, you begin to get a little more interested. Well, the, the ones that have more to do than just eat food, I guess, or something to see, something entertain me for a, a little bit. You Did know, you not hear about like Tractor Palooza, Mike? <laughs> Did you not hear about that? Farmageddon, Farmageddon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm never going to Ames, Iowa. Not even by mistake. Um, <laughs> none of those cities tempt me at all. By the way, Brian uh, Peterson, you're not helping yourself. You look like a warranty salesman in this picture of you. You're not helping yourself <laughs> convince me you're not trying to upgrade my car warranty. I'm just telling you that right now. Uh, so let's see, Mike, uh, you're sporting the new Suns logoed hat. Adam is at the new Suns the shirt. logoed shirt yeah, right the there. Shirt. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of interest in this swag. I, I think you went down a dark J.P. Gilbert route with the uh, Canaveral blue look, but. Uh, yeah, you know, not my like favorite. Not my, oh, yeah. Oof, not no. my favorite. We, yeah, yeah. We wasted money sending Trace a hat. He's never going to wear a hat again with that hair. Never again. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Oh man, I got questions. <laughs> Just let's wrap this show up with okay. your question. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, ask the ask away. Um, what did you when you went to you you went to Monster the Barber by the way, good friend of the show. Uh, you went to Monster and uh, fun, you fun sat time. in the chair and you said what to him? Give me the trace. That's what we're calling it now. You can go in okay. and get it yourself. I thought they were taking hair off when you go to the barber. It seems they put hair on <laughs> when you went. How does that? How did that happen? I was disoriented being in a barber shop. Uh, to be, it'd been a, it'd been a while. Questions? Anything else? Anything else? No. Ah. Let's play the music again. <laughs> the Cinemax music. <laughs> Why not? I like the open though. Good job on the open. That was uh, that was exciting stuff. And I like the. Uh, can you play that audio drop again of Mike counting just so we can end the show with that? You know, last year I think I said. <laughs> Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. You know, last year, I think I said about 30 people. Do you have the one where you bleeped them out? Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. You know, last year, I said about 30 people. Just keep it going. Yes, yeah, I have that for sure. Yeah, I have to go back and find all these things. I didn't realize this until earlier this afternoon that I had that capability here. So this is season three, if you if you think about this, of the Sons of UCF Live, I think, right? So, you know, new isn't like season three, right? Isn't this the third? No, did I miss a season? Did I add one in? Where are we at here? Uh, we we kicked off in January of twenty one, so I don't yeah, know. We what did the pregame in twenty. We you know we did the pregame twenty stuff. It was pre that. So new season. I get, get new upgrades. That's all. Okay, I'm with you. I'm fine with it. I'm just looking forward to the the drop of Trace talking about the the good meat that's there in Iowa. Because he said that like four times. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, cut that one. Out. That's fair. No, that's it's coming back. I, I just you know last year I think I said. About 30 people <laughs> UCF, UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. You know, last. This is exactly no, played why. It for another half a second, I also said 60, but. <laughs> I don't remember. I can't. I don't recall. I don't recall. That would be less fun. See, this is why you can't bench or cut anyone of this. You need all three of us to combine. Uh, to well, some, somehow we all got benched and cut. So, I mean, I don't know how true that really is. <laughs> We all got uh, mentioned cut. Let's play it though with the other shows. By the way, Christy Malzahn, welcome to the podcast space. All right, for Adam and Mike, I'm Trey Stroke. It's been a hair raising show, everybody. Somebody's been holding on to that line all day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go, char- go away, charge on, do something. Go away. Sports Social Podcast Network.